welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, hi, everyone. I love that I have the chance to, uh, to share this message with our campus today. Pastor Rob is uh, ministering in Australia. He is on the other side of the world. I hope he's sleeping right now because they're kind of flip-flopped. And so. But he'll be back next week to continue our series. But today we're going to be in the third week of our series looking through the book of Philippians in the New Testament. And uh, the book of Philippians is actually it's a letter. That's, that was dictated by the Apostle Paul. It was written down by his young protege, Timothy. And, and it was addressed to all the believers who were part of a church that Paul had planted in the city of Philippi, located in what today is modern-day Greece. And I saw an interesting fact this week. It's believed that the city of Philippi is the place where Paul preached for the very first time on European soil. The city of Philippi was on his second missionary journey, and now time had passed, and he's writing to this group of believers, to people who he had just a ton of affection for, and he was so grateful for, and they supported him on his uh, missionary journeys, and he wanted to encourage them, he wanted to instruct them as they continued to grow in their faith, and there's so much good teaching in the book of Philippians for us as followers of Jesus Christ. In this series, we've been focusing mainly on chapter 4. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, thus our great title, Philippians for you. It's good, right? So creative. Today we're looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Rob taught from verses 4 through 7 of chapter 4. I want to read that because what we're going to talk about today is going to build on some of the concepts in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You know, that was one of my favorite points that I ever heard Pastor Rob preach in a message. Remember his point from that part of the scripture? It was, don't be a jerk. I love it. I'm like, that's so good. Don't be a jerk, right? Do not be anxious about anything. That's a command, not a suggestion. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many think that sounds pretty good, having the peace of God? A peace that goes beyond our understanding, something guarding our hearts, something guarding our minds. I think that sounds amazing. And I have to tell you, there's been times in my life where I have felt that peace. I hope you have too. Where I felt that, that, that sense of, of perfect contentment, maybe in the middle of a situation where it didn't really make sense to be content, but right there in the middle of the mess, we experience that peace. I experienced that peace that, that passes way beyond my understanding. I can tell you, I felt that last week when we were moving and clearing out my parents' house in the midst of all the craziness and the work and all of that stuff. My parents have moved into assisted living, and so we sold the house that I grew up in that they lived in for 46 years. But right in the middle of that, I had this sense of God's peace. And God spoke to me while I was there saying, listen, this, this house is about the past, but God's always about the future. And don't get so caught up in the past that you forget that God is bringing us somewhere, that God has a future for us. And I remember just in those moments feeling God's peace. But I have to admit too that there have been other times in my life 
Other times when I found myself in turmoil, turmoil in my mind, maybe you know that feeling of restlessness, feeling of stress, fighting anxiety over situations or circumstances. And instead of experiencing a peace that passes understanding, maybe you experience something that feels a little bit more like a gut punch. You know what I'm talking about? Or am I the only one? That's right. There's probably nobody else here that's ever experienced anything like that, right? No, I'm sure we've all had moments in our lives where, where instead of peace, maybe we felt like we were going to be overcome by anxiety or overcome by fear or worry, sometimes even panic, emotional or mental breakdowns. All of us, we, all of us, we go through seasons of trouble, seasons that challenge our lives, seasons that test our resolve and that stretch our faith, right? We all go through those times. And my prayer today is that what we learn in these next few verses and in these next few moments together in God's word, I'm really praying that it's going to help us understand why sometimes in life we experience that amazing peace of God and other times maybe we experience turmoil and fear. You know, church, I believe that, that through all of the ups and downs, all the things that we experience in life, I believe that God has a destination for every person that's a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a destination, there's a place that God is bringing us to that we're, we're not, we haven't reached it yet, but we're on the way, and I hope we're closer to it now than when we started, but there is a, a destination for everyone who's accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've been forgiven of your sin. And let me just say this, if you've, if you've never done that, or if today you know that you're not where you should be with God, the end of this service, you're going to have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But for everyone who's accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're on a journey to this amazing destination. And I'm not talking about heaven. Yes, heaven is our inheritance. Heaven is our reward. We're going to get there someday. But the destination for the life of every believer and the expectation of everybody who follows Jesus is found in something that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5. I want to read it, Matthew chapter 5, 48. One simple verse, it says this, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There it is. Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let that sink in for a moment. Yes, Jesus actually said, be perfect. And if you're like me, when you read that, you say, that's not fair. Jesus, that's crazy. How could you say that? How could, how could you expect? How, how am I ever going to be perfect? C.S. Lewis in his amazing book, Mere Christianity, said in so many words that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, perfection is where he is taking you. Perfection. Oswald Chambers said this, the true expression of Christian character is not in good doing, but in God-likeness. If the Spirit of God has transformed you within... You will exhibit divine characteristics in your life, not just good human characteristics. God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not as human life trying to be godly. When you step into a relationship with Jesus, that's exactly his plan for you and me. He's moving us toward perfection. How can we be perfect? I mean, isn't Jesus the only one who lived a perfect life? Absolutely. Jesus is the only one who ever lived a perfect and a sinless life. That's why he is our example. That's why he's the one that we're commanded to be like. 
In Philippians chapter 2, a little earlier than the scripture we're going to look at in a moment, Paul commanded the Philippians, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. In other words, Jesus, just like you and I, Jesus had to tap into the grace of God He had to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that we are now called to live. So if we're going to be perfect, it starts by having the mindset of Christ. By having the mindset of Christ. Paul is telling us that to reach the destination that God has for you and me, we have to shift our mindset away from the natural, away from the carnal, fallen mind. And we need to learn to have the same mindset as Christ. Listen, if perfection is the destination, then the vehicle that's going to get us there is having the mind of Christ. That's why Romans 12 talks about having our minds transformed. 1 Corinthians chapter 2:16 says, "Who has known the mind of the Lord as to us to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ." Did you know that you have the mind of Christ as a follower of Jesus? You have the ability to think like Jesus thought by the power of the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus, you and I, we've been instructed and given a new way to think, a new way to understand this life that we live. There's a a new understanding of our existence and of our purpose. You and I have been given something amazing. We've been given a new perspective. We've been given a new lens that we can see everything in life through. And that's why this is so important because there's one thing that you and I, we do all the time. Almost every waking moment of the day, you and I, all day long, we do something, and it's called thinking. We think, and we think, and we think. And when we're done thinking, we think a little bit more, and we think, and we think. It's an incredible ability that we have. I believe it's one of the ways that we've been created in God's image. The ability to think, and to reason, and to imagine. You and I, we are always thinking, right? You're thinking right now, I hope. And Proverbs 23, 7 gives us this amazing, amazing insight. When Solomon said, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Do you know what that means? That means that in everything that we face in life, in every circumstance, in every situation, the way we think is either going to be the problem or it's going to be the solution. The way we choose to think, you see, we get to choose what we are going to think about. No one is at the mercy of someone else thinking thoughts for them. We choose what we think about. Romans 8, chapter chapter 8, verse 5 and 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, let your sinful, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. This is this quote from Alistair Begg. He said, you and I this morning are what we think about. Our minds form the root of it all. All of our human actions, unless there's something physically or mentally wrong with us, emerge as a result of thought processes. It is in our minds that affections are stirred. 
It is by our minds that our wills are directed. It is in the mind that we conceive and produce every action. It is therefore imperative that we learn to think about the right things and that we learn to think in the right way. Listen to what he says here. The human mind is always going to attach itself to something. It is therefore imperative that we attach it to the right things. We have a responsibility to choose wisely what we attach our mind to. Do you know how amazing our human mind is? Do you know how amazing how this incredible piece of gray matter right here, protected by our skulls, is? I mean, the human brain is one of the most complex living structures in the universe. As the central part of the central nervous system, this this organ is responsible for the collection and the processing of various types of sensory data. Those who study it, I was reading a little bit of this, tell us that the storage and the processing power of the human brain has more than enough space to store an immeasurable amount of information. Like, it's amazing. The brain that you have is incredible. And every day, you and I, we're we're coming into contact with, with objects and people and situations, and we're taking in information through touch and vision and hearing and smell and taste, and all of this is stored right here in our brain. So in light of all of this, let me just ask you this question. How important do you think it is for us to be diligent about what we're thinking about? I mean, we're taking in information all the time. It's so important for us to recognize and to steer what it is that we're thinking about. If the destination we're headed to is perfection, and if the vehicle that's getting us there is the mind of Christ, then the fuel that we're pumping in that vehicle matters a lot. So what Paul commands us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, we are going to read it in just a moment. This is like high-octane racing fuel for the mind and the life of the believer. This is truly, I believe, the answer to overcoming anxiety, to overcoming worry in our lives. It's the path for us to experience God's perfect peace in a consistent and in a real way. Paul tells the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, he says these words, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is telling us that you and I, we can experience and we can enjoy the peace of God in our lives. And all it takes is the discipline of thinking in the right direction. John MacArthur, I think, actually points out this. Some people assume worry is the result of too much thinking. Actually, worry is the result of too little thinking in the right direction. If you know who God is and understand his purposes, his promises, and his plans, it will help you not to worry. See, I think far too many followers of Jesus are missing out on the life and the peace that God offers because we just haven't learned to think in the right direction. 
We haven't learned to think in the right direction. We haven't learned to think the right thoughts. Our our negative feelings so often flow out of our wrong thinking. And hear me today. I understand that anxiety and depression are very real conditions. I understand that people suffer greatly, and I'm not making light of that. But I believe so much of the anxiety and the worry that so many live with today could be alleviated, could be healed, if we would learn to do what Paul is commanding us to do in these verses I believe that. He gives us this list of things to, to, to bring focus and to, for us to bring direction to what we allow our minds to dwell on. He tells us to think about things that are true. Man, how many times do we find ourselves stuck in thinking about things that are just not true? We're thinking about people's opinions. We're thinking about theories. We're thinking about all these other things, but... Paul says, think about things that are true. Truth is found in God's word. Truth is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. You and I need to seek out things that are true. And we need to reject things that are not true. In John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching and if you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth is going to free us. That's why the devil is always lying to you. The devil is always trying to deceive you to get you to miss the truth of who you are in God and of what God says about you. The devil is a liar and he wants to keep you in bondage to your sin, but we can learn to reject the lies of the enemy and we can fix our minds on truth. And then Paul says, think about things that are noble. Noble means things that are having or showing Fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals. Man, think about things that will raise the standard in your life. Think about things that are going to move you forward into good things in your life. We spend so much time letting our minds dwell on things that are destructive in our life. But Paul says, think about things that are noble, things that will cause us to look up to. Think about things that are pure, he says. Think about things that are lovely. Things that are admirable. These are things not tainted by evil. These are things that bring beauty and joy to our world. Not things that compromise. No compromise. No ugly. No evil. Don't let your mind dwell on those things. Think about things that are excellent, he says. And things that are worthy of praise. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes sometimes we have a hard time distinguishing what things are worthy of our praise and what things aren't. Let's think about things that are worthy of praise. When we're fueling our minds with these kinds of things, I promise you, church, that the feelings of peace and the contentment and the joy of God will follow in our lives. But when we allow our minds to be filled with with the opposite of these things, it's no wonder that our minds are anxious or worried or filled with fear and doubt. Listen, God is calling us to think in the right direction. Ultimately, our our disciplined thought life is going to lead to a disciplined life and right decisions because all of our decisions and all of our actions flow out first from our thinking. So are you going to let another day of worry go by or are you going to choose to fix your thoughts on what is true and what is noble and what is right and pure and lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? And I get it. Sometimes our mind is like a battlefield, right? Right? It is, but it's a battle worth fighting and it's a battle worth winning. Don't give up. 
in this fight. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God says we can take every thought captive. Every thought. Let me tell you why this is so important. Why we take every thought captive. Because there is nobody in your life that is more influential to your life than you are. Because nobody talks to you more than you. Nobody. We're constantly talking to ourselves, but if our talking, if our self-talk is leading us into negative negativity, we're thinking about the wrong things. Because what we're saying to ourselves is coming out of what we're thinking. I tell you what, if we're not taking our thoughts captive, then really we're being held captive by our thoughts. If we're not taking our thoughts captive, then we're just being held captive by our thoughts. If you aren't intentionally directing your thoughts in the right direction, then your thoughts will drift in the wrong direction. You and I, we've got to continually be redirecting our thoughts to make sure that they're in alignment with what is true, what is noble, what is pure, what is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. This is one of the keys to staying on track towards the destination, to overcoming temptations in our life. Listen, when temptations come to our minds, when our minds are drifting away from truth, we have this habit of of, of something that we tend to do. We just try to resist it. But did you know that that doesn't work? I mean, think about this. The more you hit a nail, the harder you drive it into the wood, right? 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 The more you think about something to resist it, you know what you're doing? You're just reinforcing it. Don't just resist it, replace it. Don't just resist a thought, replace it. I mean, let me illustrate it this way. If I told everyone in this room at this moment, do not, whatever you do, do not think about the cool ducks on my shirt. Don't think about those ducks on my shirt because there are ducks on my shirt. Don't think about them. You're not thinking about the ducks on my shirt, are you? Resist the temptation to think about the ducks on my shirt. Sorry, you're all thinking about the ducks on my shirt right now, right? The more we just try and resist thinking about something, the more we are actually reinforcing those thoughts. But if I told you, think about the crosses on these walls over here. Think about what Jesus did to set us free, to give us the power to control our thoughts. Nobody's thinking about the ducks on my shirt anymore because we're thinking about something else. Don't just resist it. Replace it. Does that make sense? When worry or doubt or negative thoughts come, listen, use the word of God. You can say it out loud. I take this thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ and then replace it with something that is true, that is noble, that is right, that is pure, that is lovely, that is admirable, that is excellent, something that is worthy of praise. I think Paul's instruction here really is a warning to help keep us on the right track in life. We are on this journey, remember. We have a destination. God has given us the mind of Christ. We need to fuel it with the right things. But I don't know about you. Does anybody like roundabouts? 
I love roundabouts. Some people hate roundabouts. I don't know why people hate roundabouts. I love roundabouts. I, I love not having to stop at an intersection all the time. But um, have you ever seen somebody get confused on a roundabout and they get on it and then they just start driving around? They're not quite sure what to do and they just keep going around and around. Do you know that that's what worry's like? Worry is like getting on a roundabout and never getting off where you're supposed to get off. Every time you drive into a roundabout now, start recognizing that, listen, I don't have to worry. Worry is just driving around in circles. God has a destination for us. We need to get off that roundabout of worry. We need to keep moving forward. Paul says, instead of being anxious, instead of being worried, pray, fix your mind on things that are going to bring you joy, that are going to bring peace. I love what the New Testament scholar Lynn Kohick said when she said, worry is a signal that our gaze has shifted to the swirling clutter of events at our feet. Well, we must lift our head and raise our eyes to the throne of God. Don't let your sin define you. Don't let your struggles define you. Don't let those things keep your thoughts captive. Take those thoughts captive and bring them into submission and direction and replace them with what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent or worthy of praise. In verse 9 of our passage, Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. See, the apostle Paul was more than a man that was just driven by positive thoughts, right? He, he chose to think in the right direction. If you know the, anything about the life of Paul, before Jesus got a hold of him, he was driven to take out followers of the way, Christians. He was actually killing Christians. But after Jesus got a hold of Paul, he was driven to reach the lost. You see, Paul was the same person, but he was going in a different direction. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. See, Paul learned to, to walk and to, to live with a lean in his step. What he, the word that he uses here that, that talks about pressing on, it's the imagery of a runner who's coming to the end of a race, who is straining to cross the finish line first. That's the way Paul lived, pressing in. Paul made the daily choice to not worry, but instead to pray and to focus his thoughts on the right things. Paul chose to be a disciplined thinker and out of that disciplined thinking came a disciplined life and out of that disciplined life came the peace of God that could write a letter like this to the Philippian church from a prison cell full of joy and full of life and full of wisdom and full of instruction in spite of the circumstances because Paul knew not just the peace of God, but Paul knew the God of peace. And if you want the peace of God, then first you need 
the God of peace. I love what the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 26. He said, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So my challenge to you today, church, set your mind on praiseworthy things. Bring your burdens to God. Pray about everything. And I believe that we're going to know the perfect peace of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your peace. God, I thank you for your peace that passes understanding. I thank you that you've given us the ability to think. What an amazing thing, God, that we can think, that we can reason, that we can imagine. Lord, it's in your image that we were created. But we recognize that that image was tainted because of sin. God, I pray that we would not live our lives ruled by sin, that we would not live our lives ruled by fear or worry or anxiety, but Lord, we would instead fix our minds, fix it, attach it to things that are true, to things that are noble, to things that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. Lord, I believe you'll help us do that. We thank you. On this moment with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and, and you have never made the decision to ask Jesus into your heart and say, what does that mean to ask him into my heart? The Bible says that we've all sinned, that we all need a savior, that that sin separates us from God. But Jesus, the one we're talking about today, the one that lived a perfect sinless life, paid the penalty for your sin and my sin when he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again to give us new life. And you say, wow, that sounds amazing. It is amazing. It's incredible. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, he says, if you believe in me, if you confess with your mouth and if you believe in your heart, that you would be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity forever and ever separated from God. See, God loves you. God doesn't want you to be away from him. So he made a way for you to come back to him. And if today you know that you're not where you should be with God, the answer isn't just to try harder. The answer isn't just to try and figure everything out. The answer is to accept the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. So today, if you're here and you've never made that, taken that step of faith to say yes to Jesus, but today you're ready to do that. Today you're ready to say Yeah, I need to get right with God. I I know that in my heart I need to get right with God. I want to pray with you today. And so in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, time is short. I don't want to take too much time, but I don't want to leave without extending this invitation to you today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Say, yeah, today's the day. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Are there any others? Praise God. Yes, thank you. I see your hand here. Thank you, Jesus. Ready to say, yeah, I know I need to get right with God. I know I'm not living right. I can't figure it out on my own. I need to trust God. Are there any others? Praise God. You can put your hands down. Church, let's pray together. I want to invite everyone to pray this together. If you lifted your hand, know that these are words that you are speaking to God, to a God who loves you. Just say this out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price so that I could be in relationship with you. I confess that I have sinned. I've made mistakes. And I need a Savior. 
And so today I ask you to forgive my sin. I invite you into my life. I believe you died for me and I believe you rose again. And I believe you want to live in my heart. So today I choose you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.